Welcome to Now We're Talking. I'm Rob Danish from the University of Waterloo, and this is a podcast about communication skills. So in the last couple of episodes, I've, tried, I've been trying to talk about uh, communication practices that are good in any context or any situation, whether it's interpersonal or small group or public speaking or writing or, or whatever. And in the last episode, I was talking about meaning and uh and how much more important meaning is than information and what the difference between meaning and information is. And I want to continue that conversation today by uh, talking about what I think of as one of the central characteristics of a master communicator or one of the central kind of uh, practices that a master communicator is able to employ um, regardless of, of situation and how employing that is, is really speaks to what's complicated about, about meaning. So in previous episodes, I've talked a little bit about this also. Um, I, there were, in one episode, I talked about the, the phrase that I use, what's meant is never what's said. And when I tell students what's meant is never what's said, I, I mean a version of uh, the meaning of a sentence can't be reduced to just the information in the sentence. The meaning of the sentence is always much more than just the information of the sentence. And he, so in, in general semantics, uh, which is in part the kind of study of language, in general semantics, there's a distinction between at-issue content and not-at-issue content. And every sentence has both at-issue content and not-at-issue content. Well, the meaning of the sentence doesn't just come from the at-issue content, it also comes from the not-at-issue content. The, the thing is that when you're listening to a sentence, you don't really need to think consciously or reflectively about the not-at-issue content to make sense of the at-issue content, but it's not like it's not there. So for example, here's a really, really simple sentence. Uh, his wife is from Chicago. Okay, there's at issue content. That's what I would call the information in the sentence. Uh, so-and-so has a wife, she was born and raised in Chicago. That's the information in the sentence. But there's also not at issue content in that sentence. The not at issue content has to do with um, the social meaning of wifeness uh, or being a, a wife, or what is entailed or implied by the term wife. Uh, also, what is entailed and implied by the term Chicago, or by the location Chicago. So there is what I call a chain of signification for every word that we choose to use. And that chain of signification in, includes the kind of social meanings that we attach to implicitly the words that we choose. Now, whenever we're uttering a sentence, we're relying on the at issue content, the information in the sentence, but the meaning of the sentence is also always already determined by the not at issue content, by the set of social meanings or the, the chain of signification or associations that come along with the words that we've chosen or the sentence that we've chosen to utter and the information that's in there. Um, now, what's really interesting or what's really, really important, and some people understand this and other people don't, and this is a big difference between who's good at communication and who's not. The social meanings or the chain of signification that gets at, that, that kind of controls the not at issue content of a sentence. So 
that's behind the, the not the information in the sentence, but the set of associations that come with that sentence are always political. There's no neutral language. So, and by political, I mean, they're always, um, associations always have, the chain of signification always ha has a set of values and judgments or valuations associated with it. Um, and that makes every statement, even though it's neutral, it might be neutral information on the surface, always already political also. And in politics, politicians spend an enormous amount of time and energy creating associations or deep um, social meanings that become not at issue content that exist behind an existing or at issue debate. So for example, the case, like the word welfare or entitlement in the United States. Um, so whenever in the US politicians talk about social welfare programs, there's a problem because the right spent years trying to link uh, welfare programs with not at issue content that was racial in character. So um, every Republican wants to say the word welfare and have it light up a chain of signification in your mind or in the, the listener's mind that creates a, a social tie to black people. And so they, they tried to semiotically, what's called semiotically tie the meaning of welfare to blackness or African-Americans in, in the US. And that meant that whenever they said the word welfare, that word came with it, the not at issue content of a kind of racialized judgment about or racialized evaluation about those sorts of programs. Every expression carries with it not at issue content that's political in nature. Um, that's just really, really important to recognize. And politics is mostly the constant search for words that don't appear to contain evaluations, but that actually carry not at issue content that prejudices the political debate. So, for example, let's talk about the legal debate about um, sorry, not the legal debate. I didn't mean the word legal there. Let's talk about the debate about um, immigration in the U.S. So there are words like illegal immigrant and illegal alien. There's an obvious worry that these expressions carry with them not at issue content that frames debates about immigration in a way that fails to take into account the perspective of, of the immigrants. So you know, to call someone an illegal alien, the word alien carries with it not at issue uh, content, which is a kind of chain of signification or a set of social meanings with the word alien. Um, in 2006, the National Association of Hispanic Journalists urged the media to stop using these kinds of dehumanizing terms like illegal or illegal alien um, because it casts those people as adverse strange beings, as inhuman outsiders who come to the US with questionable motivations. So despite that, the Supreme Court still uses the expression illegal immigrant in dozens of cases. And in 2009, uh, Sonia Sotomayor, Chief, uh, Justice of the Supreme Court, tried to use the expression undocumented immigrant in a decision in place of illegal immigrants. And that you see, of course, undocumented 
has its own set of social meanings and its own set of its own chain of signification that's really really important um and it shifts politically it shifts away from the set of associations or the the not at issue content in the word illegal alien now of course donald trump uses illegal alien infestation uh, all of his language around immigration carries with it a chain of signification or a set of social meanings or a bunch of not at issue content that's activated for the listener uh, in whenever he uses those those phrases. Um, this is also, I mean, I've talked in, in this uh, podcast about framing. Uh, this is also how you frame issues. Um, if you can introduce the not at issue content, um, so so this is how it how it works. Um, let's say I'm a Republican and I say illegal aliens are invading the country. Uh, so there, there's all sorts of uh, there's all sorts of signification between behind alien and behind behind invasion, etc. Um, but once the other side accepts the terms, the at issue terms. So what the media wants to do in that situation is say, okay, do we have a problem with illegal immigration? Are there lots of illegal immigrants coming, you know, pouring through our borders as uh, Trump would say? And so they frame the conversation in ways that have already imported the not at issue content with its politicized chain of signification around immigrants as alien invaders. So to do the work of denying, and there is not, uh, uh, immigrants are not pouring into the country across the southern border. It's like, it's factually inaccurate, but it doesn't matter. Like, like the factual accuracy, again, the information is less important than the chain of signification, than the meaning uh, that has constructed the worldview around the problem of immigration. And that's the power of language. And that's why language is always political because it's always carrying with it this not at issue content. So masters of, of communication are always aware of the ways in which they're bringing not at issue content as well as at issue content into a communicative interaction. Uh, I think another way to, to think about this or to talk through it is um, uh, imagine it this way. So in this podcast, obviously I've said over and over again, uh, it's what effect have you had, not did you get it. It's about the effects that you produce with language or in communication, not the transmission of information. So uh, cognitively, one thing that's happen that happens when you utter a word or when you say a word, you can imagine someone who's listening to that word, a kind of... Um, neurons firing in their brain when they when they listen to and hear the word they're trying to make sense of that word the only way that person makes sense of that word whether it's conscious or unconscious or reflectively or non-reflectively is that they'll put that word in relationship to a bunch of other words that are kind of surrounding that word um, in order to make sense of it and that's what I call the, the chain of signification. It's all of the other kinds of reference um, and meanings that sort of are organized around that one word that help us make sense of that thing. 
And that cluster of other words, that kind of chain of signification, is what's always already political. Um, and so um, here's an, another example that's kind of worrying me a lot lately. Um, so I have a colleague who works closely with um, with uh, the climate crisis, politics around the climate crisis and organizing for change um, related to policies that would redress the climate crisis. Um, and, you know, they, they host rallies, they host events, and they're always trying to think through, like, how do I get more people to attend? How do I convince the public that the climate crisis is real? Um, and for me, the they have all the data, all the science, all the policies. They know what they need, what they, we need to do. Uh, we know what's wrong. We know who did what's wrong. Like we have all of the information that we could possibly have. the The question is never the at issue content. The question is always the not at issue content. And the reason that more people are not motivated to act, or that more people aren't fully convinced, um, is because the not at issue content is a problem in the, in the climate change debate or the climate crisis debate. And see, I'm doing it right there. Even the change from the word change to crisis signifies the power of language to differently frame the problem. There's a different chain of signification, a different set of social meanings that come with the word change and that come with the word crisis. I've begun to think that that's not the problem. The problem is really the word climate. Because if I think about the chain of signification or the social meanings behind the word climate, um, the not at issue content of the word climate, it is too dry and objective and scientific and um, it's not emotional enough. So the, the trick or the genius of, in my lifetime, the ascension of the right, the kind of ascension of fascists and uh, extreme right-wing morons, I would call them, is really breathtaking and alarming. Uh, the fact that we have someone like Donald Trump in, in the White House is really terrifying to me and scary to me. Um, but what's especially scary is their effectiveness at essentially propaganda um, and the lack of effectiveness of uh, propaganda on, on the left. And the reason that propaganda on the right is so effective is the kind of semiotic tying that's taking place in terms of the not at issue content whenever they reduce a position to a slogan. So even build that wall, lock her up, like Trump is a master of these short slogans and phrases that have both at issue content and not at issue content. Um, and he's the, the slogan activates that kind of not at issue content, which frames the conversation. So the word climate crisis to me um, doesn't do enough labor activating uh, a, a chain of signification with not at issue content that would frame the, the problem in a way that would politically advantage those trying to solve the climate crisis or, or mitigate the climate crisis some, somehow. And if you think about the word climate and its neutrality, it's, um, it's for me, it's associated with objectivity. Um, it seems quite abstract as a concept. It's somewhat distant. You know, weather, there is a distinction between climate and weather, obviously. Um, but weather is so much more personal, it's so much more affectively kind of lived by people that should tell um, that should tell the kind of um, the people working on cl the climate crisis enough about the word climate that it 
it feels differently than weather, right? It's, if it's too abstract, it's hard to get people emotionally, um, emotionally kind of motivated to, to act. And of course, one of the big problems on the left in the last 30 years is that the political left um, has a, um, a way of privileging objectivity and science. So they really believe that evidence is a good thing. But the problem is not everyone in the world believes that evidence is a good thing. Um, so some people might think, well, it's good to have a chain of signification that's associated with objectivity and neutrality and abstract kind of scientific thinking. Um, but that, that doesn't do the same work as the kinds of chains of signification that the right uses to motivate action. So if we were going to replace climate crisis or climate strike or replace the word climate um, in the kind of advocacy work that we do, we'd have to think of a word or a phrase or a slogan that brought with it at issue content related to policy, but also not at issue content that activated a chain of signification uh, in a meaning, a chain of social meanings in a really important way that would motivate people to act. So when the right uses, when the right uses a word like welfare, they already know they're bringing with that word this sort of not at issue content. So what I'm suggesting here is that words don't have just information, they also have social meanings. And uh, propaganda is characteristically a problem of attaching social meanings to seemingly innocuous words that are used to describe a policy. So when the right effectively makes the word welfare a pejorative word, they've attached a social meaning to an innocuous thing. Uh, the social meanings of these words are the not at issue content. And because they're not at issue content, they're not negotiable. They can't be challenged directly. And they're added um, to the common kind of grounds, uh, even if the at issue proposition is rejected. It, it doesn't matter the outcome of the debate. Even if, even if people that advocate for more welfare win the day, uh, the right has done such a good job of tying uh, a social meaning and to the innocuous word welfare, which does not mean something bad in its informational context, that the left has already lost the debate because welfare has always already now been framed politically. Um, so in short, even evaluating a proposal for welfare means that one must accept the social meaning of welfare. And it's really odd to challenge the sh that social meaning. The social meaning associated with the word is accepted even if the claim that's made with the associated word is rejected. So um, I would suggest that, you know, for those on the left, and climate, the climate crisis is just one example, for those on the left that want to ultimately uh, politically kind of win the day around certain issues, the policies, the policy victories are less important than the social meanings that get tied to or that form the foundation for the not at issue content in the way for the ways in which um, our problems and our policy proposals are solved or uh, thought through or talked about.
And of course, the problem with climate change or the climate crisis or climate whatever is the right has already got there first. The right has already controlled to some degree the social meaning behind climate change. That is, it's an uncertain scientific problem. And as soon as that's in place, it's really, really, really hard to get people motivated to urgently act because that social meaning doesn't speak to, to doesn't speak in the language of urgency. Um, and, you know, so, I mean, this shouldn't be a surprise. I'm a communication professor. I'm not a political scientist. I'm not a policy person, but I see the communication problem where other people see other kinds of, kinds of problems. Um, but master communicators are really, really good at choosing words or phrases or sentences that have both the at issue content that they're advocating and the not at issue content that will slant the conversation or frame the conversation in the direction that they're advocating. Uh, this is another way of saying they're really good at controlling social meanings or the chains of signification that comes from, from word choice. Or as I said in a previous episode, what's meant is never just what's said. You know, meaning is a product of these, these kind of this chain of signification and not just the informational content that a word contains. Um, okay, so that's it for episode 66. I'll be back shortly with uh, another episode on some, uh, some quality characteristics of effective communication regardless of circumstances. Thanks everyone for listening.